Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to those women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. Today's guest is Jennifer Bankston of Bankston Marketing Solutions, but I call her Jen. Jen, welcome today. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me today, Susan. It's a pleasure. Yeah, for me too. I'm so excited to have you here. So folks, Jen is a friend of mine. And after this podcast, she will be a friend to you as well, I am sure. So Jen, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am the president of Bankston Marketing Solutions. We are an organization that is focused on how to align global business and culture to propagate an exciting, thoughtful, and intelligent perspective to client work. Our moniker is activating ideas, aligning brand, content, and strategy. And there's a reason for that. I am, by background, a marketing, business development, and communications expert. But at the end of the day, you need to distill some of the jargon that is from the overarching strategic plans and break it down into nuggets that help your brand to highlight what is your why to your clients. I love that. I love that. So first of all, I didn't want to interrupt, but I was super excited and I almost interrupted. I was biting my tongue. The activating ideas, that is so meaningful. I don't think people think about that. A lot of consultants Uh, give feedback, they have plans, they have ideas, um, but they don't stick around for implementation and maybe clients don't really know how to implement the ideas or plans. Um, So activating ideas is a super powerful phrase that you really, um, you know, make a reality of, if you will, put into um, action. I love that. That's a meaningful phrase. Um, Thank you for sharing that. That kind of made my jaw drop, actually. I I think it's important, Susan, that you have to help clients ultimately find their why. And I have my own why or my own purpose statement, and it is to create meaningful work that helps those respective clients share their vision and above all, build and strengthen their reputation in the market. So Jennifer, it sounds a little bit... um like you know some people don't ask why and i'm one of those people that i do ask why it bothers a lot of folks but i think at the end of the day once they realize why you ask why it's meaningful those who just say okay let's just do this without asking why first there's not a critical thought involved there's not some you know you have to have that deep thinking and why is a provocative question you know dissenters troublemakers critical thinkers we ask why before we go forward and then we figure out the strategy from there. So I think why is a very powerful question. Um, it's proud that you do that. Impressed. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, the why it really aligns with changing culture, right? So changing culture it permeates through every aspect of an organization. And in order to change culture, I believe you need to have three conditions. Um, One, alignment around a clearly defined problem. 
And in part, that's when you're unearthing that why. And you need to identify what to keep, what to change, and then focus on gaining company or, or in the case of law firms, firm-wide acceptance and alignment on these areas. And then the organization's believers and their behaviors lead the cultural change. So yeah. that's, in, and of course, there must be an urgency related to it. So Jennifer, where, um, I do call you Jen in our personal life, but um, where do you think you start with that? So when you're trying to create a sense of urgency, so whose thoughts and, and attitudes and beliefs do you change first in order to compel a change in behaviors? Where do you start selling that message or sharing that message, that compelling message? That's interesting. So what I generally have been doing is working at the leadership level and running workshops as it relates to the why. So that way the organization's believers understand that they are being given an opportunity to lead cultural change by perhaps starting a movement within the organization. But within that movement, the leaders and all employees must be involved. And so then that gets into employee communications. And communications cannot be in the form of once a month sending out a newsletter or once a quarter or once a year having a, a firm-wide town or company-wide town hall meeting. It has to be much more focused and it has to be inherent in everything that you do. So it sounds like it's a more uh, lead by example, holistic approach, consistent, uh, hand, all hands on deck. Yes. Rather absolutely. than a dictate from the top down and, you know, did you get the memo? Do as I say, because I say so. No, you can, you can absolutely not do that. <laughs> in part because, because you have to talk through, you know, which of the company or firm values are most aligned with your personal values. Right. Um, That's what are, right. And so what makes a working environment most compelling? I mean, all of those things need to be approached and aligned. They can't be siloed. I think you just hit the nail on the head. Something that gave me chills. That's the ticket. So when your corporate values align with each employee's, regardless of their level, uh, each employee's personal values, then you've hit on something. That's when it's a compelling story. It's something that makes people want to do right by their firm or their company. It's something they believe in. They wake up wanting to go to work and accomplish whatever the goal might be. Um, I love that. So that's where the why comes in, right? So that's why yes. you ask why. That Very is awesome. Much. That is awesome. So I know that you have been doing amazing things for many, many years. Uh, however, you have owned and operated your own company for how long now? Three months. Awesome. Awesome. And folks, don't let that fool you. She has had a very, very productive and busy and successful three months. Um, uh, I, I don't exactly know how long she's been planning this, but she has been very busy in this. And maybe there was a lot of, uh, before she hung her shingle, there was a lot of planning that went into this business but she has a lot of happy clients already. And I can see a really robust, busy future for you uh, as I look into my crystal ball, Jen. 
super, super you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, as part of, as part of who and what I am, and I think this holds true for many of us, you have to challenge yourself. Yeah. You can't let things happen to you. You have to think through where things will lead and you have to act. Um, it's sort of like if you've read the book, the Keystone book on negotiations, uh, getting to guess. Oh, yeah. Um, if, and I know that you haven't asked me this question, but it, it's almost like if you had a superpower out there, um, it, it's the ability to provide a level of influence, influence to others. So every interaction, every engagement, everything we do in our lives resolve, revolves around this ability to influence others. And in part, that's the getting to yes. So yes. that's my getting to yes. That is awesome. So I actually know uh, Dr. Yuri uh, Fisher and Yuri wrote the book. Yes. yes. I teach that getting to yes. Um, it's a difficult, difficult book for many uh, litigators to really embrace because it's about uh, win, win versus win, lose or zero sum game. And as you know, litigators are all about my way or the highway and that's what makes them successful in the courtroom. But when you are about business development, client service, you really need to look for the win, win. Um, and the common shared goals and aligned values. So I see if you are uh, definitely living the getting to yes way, you are going to have to change your name from Jennifer Bankston to Jennifer Banks a ton because you are going to make a ton of money. <laughs> Everybody. Well, well, my, my goal in part, I mean, and this is um, part and parcel for, for my company is also to be a little, have more time in a way. Yeah. To be a part of the community that I'm a part of and community and building and growing that community is, is extremely important to me. I think you've always been that way though. You're very much um, not just about the money, but about the giving back, the paying it forward, the sharing, the, um, that's what fills you up, right? Yes. And then drawing inspiration from others. Um, my newest, uh, the newest person that I'm truly inspired by, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but is Allison Felix. Um, she is winning records, beating Bolt's record. Um, and, you know, she's winning medals 10 months after giving birth. Uh, wow. Emergency C-section. And she's bringing changes. She fought for changes in maternity leave at Nike. She's speaking out about the experience of having a baby in the NICU. And then Athleta, the company, um, bravo to them for sponsoring yeah. such an amazing athlete and, and woman. Um, and, you know, hashtag, this is my battle cry. Um, so way to go, Allison, and way to go for inspiring us. I am familiar with Athleta, very familiar. Um, I actually think they're based out of here. I'm not sure, but I think so. They're based out of California, but um, that's awesome. That's awesome. I do follow, um, oh, I can't remember her last name, Kelly. She's sponsored by Nike. She talks about love, who you are, like badass lady gang member runner. Um, yes. She, yes. She doesn't have like that supermodel fit runner look that most people assume you have as a marathoner and she is fit as a fiddle and runs, but doesn't have that body that we assume you have to have in order to be uh, in a jog bra and running shorts, you know? So, um, right. 
that kind of belly inspires me. <laughs> I can relate to that more <laughs> than the supermodel belly. Um, well, let me ask you this. Um, what You've had a long professional career, and although your new company is only three months old, you, you've been doing this. You're an expert. You've been around for a while. What has been your proudest professional accomplishment? So I would have to say that I have two. Obviously, early on in my career, having the opportunity to work for Zachary Fisher, the chairman and CEO of Fisher Brothers, a real estate and investment conglomerate. And if you're not familiar with the company, they've built much of Manhattan's skyline and own properties um, around I the country am. and invested in the world. But so for Zachary, I was brought on um, and my office was a porthole on the Intrepid Sea Space Museum to work on starting the Fisher Foundation for Alzheimer's Research. Wow. Um, at Rockefeller University, and Dr. Paul Greengard would go on to win the Nobel Prize. Yeah. Um, so near and dear to my heart. Also, the the um, Fisher House Foundation, which is focused on comfort homes, military bases around the country, just being able to work and meet families who were able to use the Fisher homes as comfort homes when a loved one was being cared for at a military hospital or on base or obviously something that that was a time in my life when it was early in my career and I didn't really realize that the world leaders that I was meeting on a daily basis would really help to shape and inform who and what I am today and when I say world leaders I mean CEOs of companies, I mean prime ministers, presidents of, of different countries, um, meeting with them one-to-one, face-to-face in that engagement and interaction. But in a more modern sense, working for 10 years to help a law firm transform itself and position itself in the marketplace um, after I had done some consulting after graduate school was in fact a crowning moment. It was a crowning moment for several reasons. When I was in graduate school, I realized that, in fact, I was a little bit of a geek um, in that I loved, I loved reading 10Ks and 8Ks. Like when a company would come out with an 8K, which is when, uh, for, for, I'm sure that the audience knows what an 8K is, but an, uh, 10Ks are the quarterly statements. The 8Ks yeah. are when a company has a new announcement about a board member or, or something significant. Um, that I, I was and I think it's hilarious. <laughs> well, I was able to actually do a lot of forecasting and prediction. I worked as a, this is an aside, I worked as a fiber optics analyst when I was in graduate school. And that was at a time when obviously there was a lot of fiber um, being put in around the world and satellites yeah. were of significant importance. But working for this law firm, we were able to pivot and align with what the marketplace needed when the marketplace didn't even know it yet. And so we did that several times over during my tenure and being able to do something like that. And not just the fact that when I started, there were two or three institutional investor clients. And when I left due to relocation um, from New York to Austin, I ended up leaving with close to 400 institutional investor clients. So just, just the growth of that wow. in and of itself is a success. But yes. all, the, all, of the, all of the corporate governance type reforms and, and achievements that I was able 
to work through while I was there during my tenure um, and build out a, a team uh, truly would be a, a success in my career. So Jen, you were predictive analytics before predictive analytics was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I That's was doing predictive analytics in its rudimentary form. That's and pretty awesome. It also, at that time, I actually developed certain applications, um, apps, uh, yeah. in the legal marketing setting before it was a thing. That is so incredible. So my listeners know that I create a blog about the, um, the guest on the podcast, and then I will sync the podcast into the blog. So there's a lot more information that I, than I realized when I invited you on the show that I would like to include in the blog. So you'll have to send me some more information that we can include on the written portion of this, um, this blog cast is what I like to call it. Cause this is fascinating. So I am a geek as well. I didn't go so far as to read eight K's and 10 K's, but I love <laughs> that about you. <laughs> I do love that about you. Um, so tell me, you mentioned some of your mentors. I think that's fantastic. I'd like to mention that as well in the blogcast. Um, I know that you and I both have worked successfully in the world of the white male um, inherently for you know many years because that was financial services back in the day. That's changing. I actually think that there are a lot of powerful women in financial services now and in banking and in law. That's happening as well. Uh, as we as we sit here today, what do you think we can do to help women in business or support women in business and lift one another up? So it goes a little bit further than women to women networking. Yes, you have to have a mindset of the give to get. So the give to get mindset and the philosophy is you can give ten times and not receive anything in return. That's not really your goal. Your goal is to empower women intergenerationally. And at that intergenerational level, you can learn from your mentees. So age shouldn't matter whether you're the mentor or mentee um, at any level, but you should make sure that you're working with women, especially if these women are don't have anyone to go to and don't have anyone to talk to. And I've certainly worked in tech and consulting and financial services areas where there were no other women to talk to because I was only surrounded by male peers. Right. So making sure that there's exposure at some level to those other women and talking through some issues Spending 15 minutes and being creative and coming up with an idea or a solution or something to give back and ensuring that they're invited to certain women-to-women -women events. Those are really, that's pivotal and important to ensure that we're doing that. Um, that. It's almost like, it's, all, it's almost like if, I'm a big proponent of, especially since we've just gone through the 75th anniversary of the end of D-Day, um, the end of World War II, that in 75 years, as we approach the 22nd century, we need to continue to work to create a living link to the lessons learned from the past. Agreed. And so capturing on those lessons through engaging 
other women is helpful and powerful. It's not so much where you've been and where you're going, but it's making sure that the where we're going um, involves a, a bonding and a mindset. I love that. I love that you started with, it's not just about networking with other women. Um, I think that we're in danger if we just lean on that to, of, of swinging the pendulum the other way. Um, you know, I encourage women to have men mentors and I encourage men to sponsor women, but I want to caution everyone against men teaching women how to behave like men in order to succeed. I don't want women to lose what our special gifts are in order to fit in. I want the system to change so that we can be who we are and our own unique special gifts as men and women and people of color and other minorities are recognized and we become curious about each other's differences and those are appreciated. Um, I really don't like hearing, oh, she doesn't fit in or he doesn't fit in. What does that mean? You know, what does in mean? So I like that you said that, you know, we, we must find 15 minutes to share with someone else to learn more about, to encourage. And uh, even in, in areas like where you and I come from, where we were the only women, I know that for me, um, I think there was one other woman on my team, but it was brief. Uh, I was the longer standing woman on my team in financial services. Um, for you, perhaps probably the same hearing your history now on this podcast. Um, but let me ask you this. I'm sure it wasn't easy. I mean, you make it sound easy because you have learned so many lessons. You're like I am. You win or learn, never lose. You take what you've learned and turn it into a positive and use it. Um, but let me ask you, you've surely had challenges or setbacks. What were they and, and how did you handle those? So especially being the only woman in the room for many years, a lot of it came down to communications. There's a time when you start to think, what is your value? What is your worth? What are your strengths and weaknesses? And perhaps not believing in yourself. But in fact, through observation, I learned that if I let some of the male colleagues pontificate, and then I spoke in a lower voice as opposed to raising my voice, but also by the same token, kept my statements a bit shorter, that I would start to be heard. And there would be follow-up and follow-up questions that would then be presented. So I became a voice of reason and a voice that folks started to believe in, not by asserting myself, but in part by taking a step back. Of course, Zachary Fisher was an incredible mentor and my first mentor in the sense that he was a tremendous listener who encouraged me to ask questions and would always say in his Brooklyn accent, Jen, you got that, right? And I would respond by saying, yes, but I have two more questions. And he would say, okay, let's hear them. So I think that's important. You have to understand that you need to be able to ask questions, but you also have to have the confidence 
in knowing that you will get a turn to speak. Don't just wait to speak. Sit back a little and then challenge the audience. So it sounds to me as if this is more of a strategy that you, you know, you implemented this strategy of, you know, being calm, lowering your voice, improving your argument, not raising your voice, allowing some um, emphatic pauses. Um, you know, this, this is, there's a great, I can't, I think it was the Dalai Lama. I'm not sure, but a great leader who once said, when you do all the talking, you don't learn anything new. <laughs> that is very true. I mean, I would also add, though, that there were evenings when a group of the senior leaders were going off to um, the New York Rangers hockey game. And, you know, I'm a huge hockey fan. I grew up in a hockey family. And I would turn to them and say, where's my ticket? Yeah. And look, and, you know, it was kind of like, well, should we have included Jen? Is this just a guy's night? Or, you know, how is that playing out? Um, so taking certain steps and saying, well, let's go to coffee, let's have lunch, um, that type of thing to make sure that you are included in the mix because oftentimes business is discussed at, at those kind of events. And, um, while you may not be an ice hockey fan, perhaps you are a fan of something else and there's an event and you should be included. So there, there's still that that exists in the market and it's just, making sure you figure out a way to design a plan that works for you. I think you should have been given the option to say no thank you. Um, have you seen the, uh, by the way, the audience may or may not know that Jen is the Robin Chabotsky of, <laughs> she is definitely the hockey lover. Um, and I want you to share a little more about that, but have you seen the Pixar video called Pearl, P-U-R-L? I have not. Okay, so you and all the listeners out there, once we're done with this recording, should go Google P-U-R-L by Pixar and watch that video because that's the life you and I had in financial services. I am absolutely 100% sure. I know it was my life. I'm sure that you experienced that as well. You will recognize yourself in Pearl. And it is a, a, a video, eight minute video that I show when I do um, workshops and training. And, you know, I'll, I'll survey the room and say, has everyone in the room or anyone in the room seen Pearl? And if the majority of the hands go up, I don't show it. But if only a couple, I say, do you mind if I show it? And it's very powerful and it will strike a chord with you. Um, so yes, I'm glad that you brought that up. A lot of business does take place over those events. For me, it was golf. For you, it was hockey. Um, yeah. I did try my hand at golf and they did stop inviting me, perhaps because they had to ask me to skip a hole. <laughs> <laughs> they're like holding up everyone who knows what they're doing. <laughs> uh, golf was not my calling either. but Right, right. <laughs> So, um, but at least I got them to start asking me and then, um, you know, I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. Um, but you know, they should at least ask and give me the opportunity to say yes or no. And, and then I, you know, insisted we do business in the office at, you know, during office hours and, you know, I, I didn't enjoy golf, so it wasn't my thing. So I had to let go of that. But 
I get that. I get the uh, challenge that you had to overcome. Well, there are a lot of surprises about you, Jen, that I learned on this podcast. What is something else that maybe most of the people who know you don't know about you? So I, my first job was when I was, well, other than babysitting, um, was when I was 14 years old. And I worked as a short order cook in the next town over, wait, it gets better, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) where um, on Saturdays and Sundays, I worked from seven to three. And I made in in, uh, where I grew up, um, which was a suburb of New York City, um, Taylor ham, egg and cheese or egg and cheese or steak and eggs are very popular. Um, But folks who would come in included Richard Nixon. So I would serve him steak and eggs that I cooked or uh, Bill Parcells, the head coach of the Giants or some of the football players, um, professional football players and things of that nature. And they would always um, say, oh, good. Uh, Jen's behind the grill. (laughs) So that's, that's my one uh, little claim there. But um, I mean, (laughs) first of all, that's illegal, but wow. Oh my gosh! No, what I had my wor- I had my working papers for the record. <laughs> that is such a great story. Oh my gosh! So there's so much about you that I would love to learn and to share with the audience. Um, I think we'll include a lot more in the written portion of the blogcast mm-hmm. than we are now on the podcast because we are coming close to saying goodbye on the podcast. But you're so fascinating. Um, you have tons of stories. Before we go, I think I do want to ask you, how did you make your way from New York to Austin to New Orleans? And then where do you plan to go from there? You know, tell me a little bit about how Jennifer got to where she is and where she's going. Oh, well, Jennifer has been a world traveler and open to experience. Back essentially packed and ready to go on an adventure. Um, But Austin was a bit of a lifestyle change. Uh, My husband uh, grew up in the South and there was an opportunity for him and for me um, to move to Austin. So we decided to say goodbye to our beautiful view of the Statue of Liberty and to city life and everything sort of my world and my center of the universe and take a turn at moving to Austin, which we absolutely loved. Um, It's a wonderful, wonderful city, uh, just in in terms of women and empowerment and growth, um, it will continue to grow. Uh, And however, uh, my husband is from Louisiana And so when the opportunity recently presented itself for us to be here in Louisiana, we decided that at least for the time being, we should move to greater New Orleans, uh, where when I look out back, um, I do see alligators uh, swimming in our lake. Um, So that's unique to me. And, you know, we are, we're a family that, is rooted in being a family unit and not necessarily, I don't want to say constrained, but not necessarily tied to the place we live. 
um, we're open to new opportunities and exciting challenges. I understand. So, Kudi Donsha, Maya, I'm from down there. Um, I get the alligators in the lake, and I understand that you're saying your family is defined by your unit, the, the, the human beings that, that you call your children and your husband, not your address. So I love that you have traveled and that you were able to adapt and adjust, and that is the key to survival. It's not survival of the fittest. He never said that. He said adaptation is the key to survival. So Jen Bankston, you are a survivor. And if your new business is any indication, you are a thriver as well. So I wish you all the best. I know you are the best at business development and marketing, and you are very strategic. You think like the client thinks, you speak like the client speaks, and you are very good at unveiling latent needs, that which the client doesn't even recognize he or she might have. So tell us where to reach you or how to reach you if we want to get in touch with you and hire you so that you can grow and protect our firm or company. Certainly. So my website is bankstonmarketingsolutions.com and you can reach me at bankstonmarketingsolutions, one word, at gmail.com. Very nice, very nice. And folks, I'll put all of Jennifer's contact information in the blog as well. So Jen, thank you for being here today. It was so much fun. I always love talking to you and it was so great learning all this new, wonderful, juicy, great stuff about you. Thank you, Susan. It's a pleasure. You're fascinating. You today. So are you. All righty. Well, all everybody, right. thanks for being here and listening in. Have a good day.